0: The following audio content is a talk from Convergence, a service for young adults at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at upc.org forward slash young adults.
1: Well, hello. Greetings. Um... We're going to be, uh, we're going to go through the second uh, series of two talks on transitions. And I tell you what, this is one of those topics where I think we could go. I've been, I did a uh, a Sunday school um, with um, kind of paralleling this same material um, on Sunday mornings. We're going to do the last one this Sunday morning. And the questions that have been raised and the thoughts that have come from that, I think, man, we could do this, we could do a long series on this because the the subject of of transitions is such a huge one for our lives. And you may not have actually used that word, but there are whole bodies of study just on the topic of transition and what it's like to move from one place to another place. Either externally, somewhere where you're actually going, you've been in a place. And and you're moving to another place, and that can be like a location, or it could be a career, it can be um just some kind of a relationship, or it can be internally, a way that you've seen yourself and a way that your identity has shifted, um, the way that you're uh, the way that you're seeing the world, the transition inside, how you see God, how you work how your how your vision of how God is working in your life, or the closeness that you feel. Some people coming from a place where God has felt really close, to a place where God feels really distant, and that's hard. Hard to come to a place like this and talk about that. People are asking, "What's God doing in your life?" And you're like, "I don't know." People are asking you about, say, "Hey, you know what? Uh, God's doing all these great things in your life, and you're inside. You feel it's like, well, what about me? Transitions are a, are, a, are a thing of all of our lives, and I want to tell you, I am. I, I come to you all and say, this is hard for me. I don't know that transitions necessarily get easier. Um, they, that they're, that each time it feels like I got to kind of learn all over again on how to do that." old fears that I have, the ways that I the things that I want to kinda of clutch on to, I can do that. It's hard. It's not easy to do. And so it's good to do it together. So my hope tonight is that as we look at this stuff and as we go through this, my hope is that you sense that you're not alone, that there's a sense that, you know, you're going through, your transition is unique to your life, but you are not alone in that you are going through transitions. We do that. We're all doing that. And if you're not, if you happen to be one of the the few that are in a place where it feels pretty solid right now, then, uh, hey, listen, give the rest of us some encouragement because we need it. Those transition times are tough. Last week we talked about, we're kind of taking this idea of watching the transition of the Israelites. And one of the things that I love, because I was kind of raised in a, in a church group at, when I was a little kid, we didn't really learn a whole lot about the Bible, I was telling you last week. So I kind of love bringing some of that in for those of you who are like me, that kind of don't really know what we're talking about when we uh, talk about certain people. And So we've been talking about the transition of the Israelites. And we're talking about how they kind of start out in Canaan, and then through a series of events... They end up in Egypt. And Egypt starts out as a, not a bad thing. Egypt starts out as kind of an answer to a famine. And as time goes on, what we find out is that, that eventually the, the Israelites are growing so big and so, so numerous that the new rulers who don't know anything about Joshua, who's, who's led them there, brought them there to, to save them out of this famine, the new rulers say, you know what, they're getting so numerous that we gotta, we got to make them into, into slaves. And so they start taxing them and working them really hard and then just a sense of exhaustion. And finally what starts off as a thing that was okay becomes something that feels oppressive. Some of you know what that's like. You started off in something that felt like this is home. This feels like what I'm used to. This felt safe. This feels like this is, this is what I know. And it becomes, as you grow, it doesn't fit anymore. And that can be because it's something really damaging. Something is happening in there that's a damaging thing. Or it can just be that you're growing up. And what used to feel like home doesn't feel like home anymore. Some of you know what it's like to go back for Christmas. And I've got a certain amount of days that I can be there before I start going, this is not home anymore. Decorations in the house where you grew up going, this is the best. Look at these. Dec- you come back and you're like, who decorated our house. You know, it's like you start looking around at things and you're like, this is just not the way I would do it. This is not what I this is not how I would put things together or the way that we talk in our family. This isn't how I want to do it anymore. And so there's that sense of growth and it begins to be this this tug, this this pull we talked last week about having that sense of a spiritual hearing, which is hard to define if you don't know what it is. It can feel like a tug can feel like an itch. It can feel like a sense of, 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 of being pulled forward. You talk about it with people and there's that sense of kind of confirmation. It may be time to start moving. And so you move from what we talked about as sort of old home, Egypt, and a move into the desert. Now the desert's a tough place. That's a place where you get your food day by day. We see the Israelites moving through there where they were used to having food provided for them. Some of you know... You stay at home and at least there's food. It may be hard to deal with mom, it may be hard to deal with dad, but at least you know your rent's paid. And you start taking that that step to move into the desert and suddenly there's some new worries. It's like, how am I going to provide for myself? I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do it. I'm barely making it every single week. And there's that sense of manna in the desert. That each day there's going to be just enough, just enough. And then there's that move where you start to get a vision That sense of, I need a new vision. I was talking to somebody, and that's the word they used. I love that word. It's a time to get new vision. Go from old home to desert home to new home. Now, we talked a little bit about when you're getting ready to leave Egypt, whatever has become Egypt in your life, whatever has become the place that doesn't fit anymore, that really the place to start is, here I am. It's where Abraham started. It's where Moses started. It's availability. So you don't know what to do. And for those of you who are like me and you like to kind of know the end before you start, you kind of want to have it all mapped out. You're going to go, I'm going to take a leap of faith. And here's exactly what's going to happen. You know, and you, you, you have it, so you've got it all mapped out. So you really don't even need any faith, which is sweet because faith is rough I hate faith so I really kind of want to have it mapped out but I'll call faith and I'll just tell you how this is going to happen I'm going to do this I'm going to step out then I'm going to meet the perfect person then we're going to have a perfect relationship and then guess what we're going to get married two years later we're going to have a baby it's going to be awesome this baby's going to be nice and healthy and we're going to have a nice little house and I'm going to have a job person's going to get a promotion that's going to be sweet and then we're gonna, all going to move and live happily ever after that's awesome so here I go Lord step in faith you know that. And I just think God must just look at us and be like, Oh, you're so cute. <laughs> and you get into the desert and you suddenly, some of the things that you were so certain about don't feel so certain anymore. And you're starting to wonder what's going on. And there's this sense, and I want to tell you, there's, there's some preachers that I listen to kind of on my podcast that I like because they're encouraging. And the, the only challenge that I have is that I don't think that they give enough validity to desert time. And I'll tell you what, I, there's a lot of people in this room that I think are so talented and so gifted and you're smart and you've up into your life, a lot of what you've been able to do has been because you're smart and you're really gifted. And so a lot of that happens. Desert time, some really neat things can happen. It's kind of one of those things where I would never wish it on you, but when you get into your 30s and 40s, I can always tell somebody who has not had their desert time. There's the people that have had that, there's sort of a, I call it the humbling. Last week I told you I went through mine, and it was rough. Told you my humbling was putting on a green vest at REI and punching in a clock and coming in and having some guy that was 22 going, "Oh Dave, you know your break was five minutes ago." Oh Lord, sorry. You know that's humbling. I mean it was. Now in the midst of that time for me, what that was 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 a chance for me to really discover, God, if I were to give you nothing, if I were to do nothing, do I matter? Who am I, Lord, if I have nothing, if I can do nothing? And that sense of discovering what has God put in you that when all else is stripped away, God looks at it and goes, you see, I think that's great. You see, I still have you in my mind you have you in my heart you and me we're still solid even if everything else you know is no longer with you you've reached your end some of you it's going to be burnout you're going to work so hard in your profession and you're going to flatten out and you're going to come to that point where it crashes and you have no idea and you're praying god don't let me crash don't let me crash i'm going to keep working 70 hours a week but don't let me crash Give me the promotion, even though it's going to mean 80 hours a week, please. And the humbling comes when you find that your body runs out and your mind gets exhausted. And you know what? Those are hard times. And that's where you want to say, get close. Get close to some people. When I went through my time, Mike Gaffney, who's one of my best friends, came alongside me and he said, Dave, he goes, goes, I learned something when I was working with my daughter. He was going through this time when his, his, his second daughter... Just didn't want to have anything to do with him, really. She was kind of going through a mommy phase. So he'd come to tuck her in, she'd be like, I don't want mommy. And he got so frustrated at one point, he just said, alright, well, fine. And you know, some of you know Mike, well, alright, fine. <laughs> and he said, it felt like God was just saying, Mike, stay close. Just stay close. He and I were meeting for coffee, and and I was kind of grumbling, which is what you do in the desert. You grumble. That's what the Israelites do over and over again. They grumble, "Not enough food. This manna turns yucky after five o'clock." <laughs> grumble, 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 grumble. He says, "He says, Dave. He goes, I feel like God's just telling me the same thing with you. Stay close." And he did. It about four years to get over burnout. For some of you, it's going to be that long. I hope it's not that long. But there's that idea: of stay close when you're in the desert. Now the problem with the desert is that it can become something you're used to. And so some of you were born into families where they were already in the desert. The marriage may not have been working. They may have been going through a tough time. I oftentimes ask people, what was happening in your parents' marriage when you were born? How stable was the was the finances? How stable was their marriage? What was going on around them? Were they in a time where they were in a, you know, in, in the kind of the new home? We talk about old home, desert home, new home. Were they in kind of a Canaan time? That's the that's the the place they were going towards. Was that? Were they in that kind of time? or Were they kind of in a desert time? And were you raised in a place that felt like? We've got what we need. We're in the place that God has brought us to, this this kind of this new home where we're thinking more about thriving than surviving. Or were you born into a desert and did you develop sort of a desert mentality? See, that's where our passage picks up today. And that's where Joshua comes in. Moses is going all along. As a matter of fact, they get close to a new home. They actually take a look at it, but they're scared. And they're so used to thinking that they can't do it. They're looking down and they're in, the, in their promised land. They see an army in there and they go, we can't beat them. So they go back into the desert and they wander around, they wander around. And generations are going by, or people are growing older. And in the midst of this is a guy named Joshua. And Joshua is one of Moses' sort of servants. He's kind of like his appointment guy. He's kind of like his, his kind of go-to guy for a lot of things. He's just kind of tagging along, kind of a background figure. But all of a sudden in Exodus, you see that when Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to get the tablets on which the law is going to be written on, there's one guy with him, and that's Joshua. Just sort of watching, just sort of paying attention. So lo and behold, Moses finishes out his life and never actually gets to go. He gets real close. He never actually gets to go into the new The new land. And that's why one of the things we were talking about last week is your life may be a transition from old home through the desert and to get real close and to pass it on to your kids or to pass it on to the people you're volunteering with. To pass it on to somebody that's going to go before beyond you. You may not be able to shake some of the things you came from. That's alright. But you can get closer. That's what Moses did. Moses gave his life to get real close and bring along somebody with him that was going to take it to the next level, to Canaan. That's Joshua. So, if you've got your Bibles with you, which I hope you do, um, go ahead and open it up to Joshua. Now, Joshua's in the Old Testament. If you're with me, you're about, oh, maybe 20% of the way through your Bible. Um Go ahead and uh, open it up to chapter 1, and I'm going to read you from Joshua. I like Joshua. Joshua is one of those guys that from when I was starting my 20s, I was like, I want to be like this guy. I like him. Now, it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, and saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. This is God speaking. Now, Joshua... Therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Now watch this. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. Tonight there there are... Five things. I'm gonna read nine verses for you. There are five things that I think if you are in the desert and you are starting to think it's time for me to move out of the desert and move into the place in which God is calling me. There are five things we're gonna learn. Here's the first one is that God calls us to take a step. He says, Joshua, what I want you to do is put your foot down. I want you to go in there and just start walking. And you can just see God going, That's yours? That's yours? that's yours, that's yours, that's yours. Now this is revolutionary. you got to remember that all this time they're getting used to the idea that they're walking through the desert and nothing belongs to them. Egypt, nothing belonged to them. Not for 400 years. They haven't had one person in their life that's been able to put their foot down and say, that belongs to you. Some of you are going to be in your life in a way where, where maybe you come out of a divorced family. You have no idea in your mind that a relationship can work. God may say, put your foot down. You don't have all the answers yet. I know you don't. But you could take one step. And that one step, maybe that's going to be telling your story to a friend of yours. That one step, maybe be going down to Barnes & Noble and get a book and you start reading. That one step, maybe it's counseling. Maybe it's going and talking to Amber or Thad, or John, and just saying, you know what, I need to tell you my story. You don't know what, I don't know what your one step is, but I, but I what, what God does with Joshua, He says, I don't need you to go in and have a full plan for Canaan right away. I don't need you to go in there and have a structure set up where it's all going to work. What I need you to do is take a step. And when, I, when you take that step, I want you to claim it. This is yours. Not just because you say so, but because I say so. And this is where it gets a little theologically tricky. Because I think you have to ask yourself, would God want me to have this? So, if the Canaan for you is the Lexus parking lot, and you're saying, I think God wants me to have this new 4x4 four four that's going to be, it's only $75,000. I'm taking a step. Dave told me to. And I'm claiming it. I'm sitting in the seat. I'm claiming it. Uh, that gets a little tricky. But if it is, God, would you want me to have a career that blesses the world? Mm, Hard to say no. God, do you want me to have a relationship that when I die, it's a legacy that I get to pass on to other people? Hard to say no. Kind of has to stand that test. Does this bless you, but does it bless the world? And if it does, check it out. A few wise voices. Do you think God wants me to have the Lexus? Now, I'm not saying that. I mean, not for speakers to get up there and go, No, God doesn't want you. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that this is where you've got to use wisdom. And you've got to have a few people in your life that can say, You know, I'm not so sure. This may be just something you want. And that's great. But when you're talking about new land, it's about talking about you being formed into the person that you're going to be. You being in a place where you can start being a light to the world. You don't have the full plan, that's okay. But God says, I want you to take a step. Let's keep going. From the wilderness the wilderness, and this Lebanon, even as far as the good, this is still God talking to Joshua. Now you can see God getting a little bit excited here. Because you can think of Joshua just thinking, we're just going to have this little bit, right, God? We're going to have this little bit, because we've never had anything, so we're just going to have a little bit, right? We're going to have a little bit. God says, no, 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 Joshua, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river and the river of Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea towards the setting of the sun, will be your territory. The second thing I think that we can learn from Joshua in his interaction with God is that we've got to think a little bit bigger. For some of you that's not a problem, but for some of you it is. I oftentimes ask people, what's the internalized belief you've got about yourself? What's your home base? Do you have worth or do you not? And if you do, do you have as much as everybody else in this room? Or is it less? Are you the person that if we're sitting in a group and somebody else has a strong need, you're most likely to put yours away and put it away and put it away and put it away? Or do you have a sense that in this room, however many there are of us, we count it up, we divide it by however many there are of us, and you matter just as much as everybody else. You matter the same amount. Do you have that? What's your internalized belief? The idea is to say, if you start from a place of desert mentality where you're only thinking about, I'm only going to get just scraps, I'm only going to get just enough to survive. The idea is, how do you start to move into a place of, what would God tell you about you? stand up a little taller. Take up a little bit more space. Think a little bit bigger. Maybe God would maybe want me not to just have a relationship at last and it's really full of trouble, but maybe God would want me to have a relationship at last that's actually really full of joy. A little bit bigger. Maybe God would want me to bless one child because it's my child, but maybe God would want me to bless many children. I don't know how it's going to happen, but maybe there's more children that would do well with me being some way in some way involved with their life. For some of you, that service night is going to be a great opportunity for you to think a little bit bigger. Maybe I can go. I don't know what I'm going to give them. But maybe if I think a little bit bigger, maybe think that maybe I can be a blessing to people I don't even know. Maybe that for you is going to be thinking a little bit bigger. For some of you, maybe it's, I'm going to say it, maybe it's gonna, you think, maybe I could go get a job and work for a place that really blesses the world. For some of you, maybe that's starting your own nonprofit that reaches the world. Maybe that's going to be thinking a little bit bigger. I don't know. But what God does with Joshua is he says, I want you to look way further than you are right now. You're looking right down at the ground of your feet. Because I want you to take a step. But eventually I want you to turn your eyes up and I want you to start just imagining and dreaming. And this is where I love it. I love it when people get together and I ask them the question What do you want? What do you want in life? And a lot of us go to Here's what I'm going to stop doing. Here's what I'm going to cut out of my life. Well, that's all right. But what are you going to put in? Some of you guys that are trying to get rid of internet pornography, fair enough. What are you going to put in its place? What do you have that gives you so much life that there's no time? Some of you you women and some of you men... You're so concerned about the food that you eat or the shape of your body. What will you put in place if you were to let that go? If you were to begin to, and I realize I'm making that so simplistic. The person that's going to come up here with me later on would tell me that. But you get the point. That point of beginning to, to, to think in terms of what gives you life. Survival thinking versus thriving thinking. Can we get that that up there? Survival thinking versus, versus thriving thinking. i want to give you some. This is one of those talks tonight where I'm hopefully, this is going to be half talk, half kind of practical. I'm going to throw some stuff at you because I kind of need that sometimes. This is, this is some of the stuff. Survival thinking, no risk. I'm going to try and keep this as safe as I can. Two, it's all about me. I just talked to somebody who has a relative in prison. And the, one of the saddest things for this person is that when they go to visit that person, that person never says, how are you? because they are so and this is I have compassion on them I do because they are surviving every single day now there's a pro, there's some extensive other issues around that that make it very complicated but you know people in your life that never ask you how are you and when you're in survival mode it may be a long time you may go on up to people and you and they and they're talking to you and they ask you how you're doing and you tell them and then walk away and you never stop and say how are you doing Because it's all about you right now. You're surviving. Now let me tell you, there's a time when that's going to be all you can do. And for a season of the desert, give yourself some grace. That's okay. But when your time comes to move out of the desert and move into Canaan, eventually one of the things that you can check is to say, is this all about me? Or am I starting to lift my eyes up and start to think a little bit bigger? Am I starting to see other people around me and take an interest in them? studies they did a study on what show what what people will report people being interesting is when they're interested in you when you when people show interest they actually get seen as interesting how selfish are we yeah one of the things that you can do if you're if you're sitting there and you just just think about it. If you're getting, now if you're in your desert time, it's okay. But if you're starting to, to move out of this and say, I want to, I want more out of life than just surviving, and it's, I feel like God's pulling me out of that. I feel like it's time. I can feel that that tug, that pull. One of the first things you can do is to turn to somebody else and go, You know what? It's been a long time that I've ever asked this, but how are you? That's that means that there's excess in you that you can give to somebody. You can give them your interest and your time. You, think, you tend to be thinking, how do I not lose, get hurt, get taken advantage of? There's a lot of grumbling, complaining, and sometimes the perpetual victim, and some of you are going to come up to me and they hammer me on this one. I know. You know, there are victims, and I, there's times when we are victims. There's no question about it. I am not taking that away. When I go into some places in Africa and I go, there are victims here, for sure. But eventually, out of the desert, there could become this habitual mindset where I'm constantly seeing the world beating me down. It becomes a way of life, a way of talking. Some of you have parents like this. It's desert mentality. And it's okay for a season because it happened. Something, somewhere, some way got to that thinking, and that's all right. But eventually, when you're getting ready to move out, eventually that kind of thinking isn't going to work anymore. Stress management. How are you doing? I'm tired. I'm busy. Is your first answer to how are you doing? Always. How are you doing? I'm tired. I'm busy. I used to have this buddy of mine at Princeton in uh, seminary named Max from Texas. And uh, every time he'd walk down in his robe, which was kind of a scary thing in and of itself, and he'd, he'd walk along and I'd go, hey, I'd go, hey Max, how are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm tired, Dave. I'm powerful tired. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, David, I'm powerful tired. I'm busy. I'm busy. Oh, I'm powerful tired. I've been doing Greek all night, Dave. I'm tired. Okay, that's stress management. That's how so you just survive and that's all you can do. For those of you in Texas, from Texas, I thoroughly apologize for that wretched accent of mine. <laughs> Thriving thinking. Are you following me? Thumbs up. You following? Are you following? Are you in? Okay, good. Thriving thinking is, is what I love about John. John talks about this all the time and it encourages me. John's big thing is you got to risk with wisdom. You've got to use wisdom, but eventually you're going to have to take a risk. That is one of John's heartbeats, is that in your lifetime that you begin to think about not just staying safe, not just planting in the desert, but eventually coming to a place where you're coming to the new land where you begin to say, you know what, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. I may have to make a cho- choice to leave my job. And I don't, I don't know, but I feel like it's wise enough that I can take this risk. I've gone to two or three people that I think are wise and I've asked for some counsel. I'm not going to 25 people and asking them what they think where you get that sort of information overload. Pick your garbage dumps, go to them, then settle down and see if you say, you know what, this feels like a wise time to make a risk. It's about you, me, and others. That's thriving. When you're walking in people say, how you doing? You're talking about not only what's going on with you, but you're talking about like what, what, what Carly talked about. I love what Carly said. When she's talking about that person just tugging on her sleeve, you know, that's about her too. You can see what she's doing. She's thriving. She just went off to Kenya. She comes back and she's not just surviving. She's thriving. She's saying, you know what? Let me tell you. I'll tell you how I'm doing. I had a story where this person that I didn't even know took, my, took, my, took me by the clothes and pulled me close. You can hear it in her. That's thriving. How do I win? How do I help? How do I be a blessing? What do I do that gives me life? Some of you are in jobs right now where you're doing it because you think if you quit, you'll fail. You're being a failure. I'll tell you, sometimes God is calling you out of something and you'll feel that tug, that move that says, you know, what is it that gives me life? You say, well, I don't know if God really would call me to be a record producer. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it makes me so excited when I build music that that, that just makes people feel joy. But why would... I don't know if God would want me to do that. Well, you're going into an industry that may be corruptive and, and may be hard to be in. So, yes, you'll have to be wise. Yes, you'll have to stay grounded. Yes, you better keep a good community around you. Yes, you better be aware of the weaknesses that you have, the temptations that you have that may make you lose yourself. But why would God not want you to build music that brings people life? To start asking that question of God, why would God not want you to do that if it brings life to you and brings life to others? I guarantee you, if you're walking around really full of life with what you do, that's attractive to people. Well, I'm staying in my job at Microsoft. No nope. thing about Microsoft. I just got myself in trouble again. Um, the, the, uh, I try to limit myself to five getting in troubles every night. So I'm at four, I think, right now. So keep track. But you know what I'm talking about? i they're like, God, call me here for ten years, and I'm just going to plug it away. Oh, Praise Jesus. You know, I'm going to go sing the songs, take my notes. I'm doing what's faithful. I'm going to go and evangelize. You want to know Jesus? Well, here you go. Thanks. No. Right? But when you're walking around because what you do gives you life, there's something contagious about that. Dump in your garbage dump and then make changes. That's thriving. You're going to still be going through hard times in Canaan. The Israelites will. But the idea is, who are the two or three people in your inner circle that they collectively know you inside and out? If you don't have it, that's where you you have got some work to do. You need to build an inner circle of, of people that you're going to be their garbage dump, and they're going to they're going to be yours. And you're going to go to them and you go, here it is. I'm just going to vent. I need to unload. Life unloaded on me. I'm going to unload a little bit. Fair enough. Let's cry. Let's weep. Let's mourn. Then let's dust the, the, the let's knock the dust off our shoes and let's go make some changes. That's where I get frustrated sometimes with some counselors, where I feel like it's just all about just staying sad. At some point, it's like, come on, let's go. You got life. Eventually, once the desert's over, and let's stay there as long as you need to, but eventually, you got a whole new land waiting for you. What are we going to do? That's thriving. And then finally, more celebration about what gives you life. How are you doing? Awesome. One of the guys I know that says one of the most vulnerable things you can say to somebody else is how things are going really awesome in your life. There can be a pressure in Christian groups, let's just be honest. When people come up to you and say, how are you doing? There's a pressure to talk about what's really going bad. And I want to tell you something. I want to challenge that. That I think in the desert, that makes so much sense. Absolutely. It is bad. It's dry. It's... Barely enough. It's a time of humbling. It's not fun. Green vests don't look great. That's okay. But eventually, when you're moving into a new land, it's like, you know what, I want to tell you about the neatest thing I saw yesterday. I want to tell you about some of the stuff that's going on around me that I can't believe. I want to tell you about this person I saw that did something incredible. Because you're watching. Your eyes are up. Make sense? All right. We're going to kind of speed through this because I want to bring up Aaron. Aaron. Verse 5, No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail or forsake you. It's one of the best verses in the Bible. If you've got your Bible, this is one to underline, circle, and put a date by. Because you may not need it today, but I guarantee you, at some point in your life, you're going to need to be reminded that when you step into the promised land, you're not going by yourself. That God is saying, I'm going with you. Be strong and courageous, God says. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. This idea of saying, I want you to change your thinking is a little bit different than thinking a little bit bigger. It's the idea of saying, I want you to be thinking in terms of you and me not just you. I want you to begin to see me walking by you. I want you to change your thinking from not just about you trusting me, but trusting that I trust you. Have you ever had that vision of God looking at you when you're saying, God, what should I do? And God looks at you and says, you know what? When you settle down and when you get your garbage dumps together and when you seek wisdom, you know what? I trust you. Take a step. I promise you I'll be with you. Be strong and courageous. Take it. I trust you. Some of you are walking around with this idea that God does not trust you because you have a hard time trusting yourself. And that's all right. I like the idea that God can trust me even when I don't trust me. This idea that God says, lean. I'll meet you. I'll lean with you. I am with you. I'm not going to forsake you. It doesn't mean that you're going to get out of this easy, but I promise you that no matter what happens, it'll be an opportunity for you to get to know me and for me to get to know you and for you to get to know yourself and where you fit in this world and what you're bringing and what you're about. I promise you. I'm not going to forsake you. Only be strong and very courageous. It's almost like God is... Encouraging, maybe even more. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, verse 8, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This idea of him saying, I want you to move forward, but I don't want you to forget what Moses did for you. I don't want you to forget what Moses gathered for you i don't want you to forget these tablets that we wrote on i want you to remember this relationship so in other words build upon the best of what you come from some of your stories may have so much pain in them you may go there's nothing hmm. how can you be so great if you came from nothing that had anything that had nothing to be redeemed There's got to be something that you come from that's worth building on. You may leave a lot of what your parents did or how they interacted or the way an old church did stuff or the way that you're old, the way you used to live your life or whatever. But what God is saying is, I want you to take the best of that and I want you to build on it. Don't start all over from scratch. Take the best of it. And for some of you, that's going to mean stopping and going, okay, (sighs) my dad failed me in tons of ways, but, He did show me one thing. Mom wasn't there when I needed her. But if I look hard enough, there is one thing I can see that she did that I can build on. Some of you are in that place where if you're moving from desert to Canaan, you've got to look back and say, What did I come from that I can build on? So that you don't have to feel like you start all over again. Or that you come from so much garbage that how can you be anything but more garbage? Do you get get that? It's so crucial. If you're going to challenge yourself to start, if it feels like you're being called to move from the desert into Canaan, assessing where you come from and, and finding the best of that and building on it, Is if you're watching carefully, is one way to grow past it. So some of you feel so linked to the pain that you're coming from. I know that. That you feel like you can't leave it. It's like it tethers you. It's like no matter where you go, it's with you. You just this chain. You can go all the way around. You can go ten feet from it, but you can't go further. One of the ways to get free of that is to stop trying to fight it and say, Okay. What from my past can I say there was an ounce of good that I can build on that and I can let go of the rest because I'm not doing it that way. I'm not going to live in a desert for the rest of my life. I'm moving over here because I think God is calling me. I'm going to take a step because I think God is with me. I'm going to lean because I think God trusts me. I'm going to put people around me because I know I'm not alone i we'll bring up for you a friend of mine. Aaron, you want to come up? I thought, you know, I like to bring people up, and sometimes I embarrass people up here. I, I, I kind of like doing that. But today I'm not going to do that. Well, I'm going to embarrass somebody, but it's going to be a friend of mine. Aaron is a coworker, and she and her husband are two people that I just uh, respect so much. They're also um, therapists with me. I work 25% of my time is over at SPU. I work with college students over there. Um, and Erin works with me, and um, her husband's been in a Bible study with me. Um, and um, so, what I and I know that that Erin uh, and Jamie, her husband, are going through a transition right now. So, what I wanted you to do is be able to see and hear from somebody that's actually going through this. And um, so, Aaron, thank you for coming. Let's give her a little bit of a round of applause. Thank you, Aaron, Just in a in a in a, in, a, in, a, in a just a real short. What's the transition you're going through right now? How would you describe that?
0: Well, my husband and I, we are going to be leaving Seattle at the end of July to do a year around the world um, of travel and play and fun and relaxation and meeting different cultures and people from around the world. And um, and then we'll be coming right back to the Seattle area. and. My husband is a mental health therapist as well, and so he'll be starting up his practice again. And then hopefully I'm hoping to return back to SPU and working with a counseling center.
1: Okay, so the two of you, just to get this straight, the two of them have been practicing therapists. And all of a sudden, their decision is, you know what, we're going to fold things down for a while, and we're going to travel around the world for a year. Okay, this is one of those things where I always go, doggone it, why didn't I... Think of doing that. I never did that. Why didn't I think of that? So that's why I'm so impressed with this. Tell me, tell if you could just tell us what's been the toughest thing about this transition for you.
0: Oh, um, just the financial climate that's going on in our nation right now. I think um, I really have purposely tried to not listen to radio or news because I freak out. Um, mm. uh, leaving two um, established careers. Um, renting out our house, sending our dog back east to, to be with my parents. It's it, it it's everything in our life is changing, and these basic securities we're um, electing to uh, to move away from. And, um, yeah, so I think just the financial climate right now and just all the anxiety that is in our culture mm-hmm. um, about security, um, and here we are. Intentionally leaving it. Um, I a lot of times I think, you know, are are we crazy? This is this is absolutely insane. Mm. So okay. Yeah. And what has
1: been like in terms of your own sense of who you are, your identity? How has that changed? How has that been challenged?
0: I feel a lot of times like I am uh, kind of. Um, I've never tried this, but um, like surfing down a sand dune, it, like it just feels like it. There's just no. Firm footing whatsoever. Um, So many parts of myself are changing, Um, moving out of my career, moving into something that we we really had no idea how to start planning something like this. And we're down to four months of of when we'll take off from Seattle. And I think we still have we're still learning what we need to do. so it's everything about myself has been in transition. Um, my relationship with my husband, my job. Um, mm. I'm just now starting to hire my replacement. That's really wild. Um, yeah, it's just everything has has been truly just up in the air. Um, so yeah, and I think also there's been um, there's been a real interesting thing of. That As I talk to more people in transition of learning how um, self esteem and mm-hmm. and how that plays out, and, um, and just so when Dave asked me up here, I was kind of like, "Well, what could I offer and um, that I think that's just such so reflective of the process of transition where you really begin to doubt yourself and what you can offer and, um, and yeah your abilities so
1: yeah, yeah, you bet and one last question for you: why are you doing it, given all that like why do it?"
0: Um, well, to speak personally for myself, I have um, everything that you have been sharing. Uh, just the um, the, um, the desert thinking, um, just life in the desert, or actually I would say out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't really decide where I'm at in this. Mm-hmm. Am I leaving Egypt? Am I in the desert? <laughs> I think I've been in the desert for several years now. Yeah. And, and and so, but I think I'm also leaving Egypt. So I can't, I, I don't mm-hmm. know, it's, it's working on many different levels. Um, but uh, the... I was just thinking, you know, you can't live in the desert forever, and it's like this, and you can't live in Egypt forever. So it's this, you know, something's just happening at a real organic level in, inside of me and my husband of we need change. Mm-hmm. We need change or we are going to die. Mm-hmm. And, um, and our vision of the future, when you're talking of vision, I, um, I, you know, that just started, um, just it became so limited, and that's when we knew, um, okay, something has to change. So, um, so that's why we're doing it, and we're also doing it because um, we have always wanted to do this. Um, on our honeymoon, we went to New Zealand and met a lot of other different travelers from around the world, and we were like, oh, this would be so fun to do. So we knew we wanted to do it before we started to build a family, So, um, and that's right now when we know it needs to be done. So. That's so good.
1: The thing I love about this, you guys, is that this flies in the face of corporate America. I love the fact that this is we are going to go and see the world we live in. We're going to go meet people from different cultures. We are going to do something that feels according to, and I know a little bit more about your story, that our families, did they love this idea?
0: Um, No, they did not. No, they did (laughs) not. Well, yeah, one side of the family loved it, one side didn't.
1: But eventually they, they came to support it. They
0: they, they've really come around. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So this is the idea of when I'm talking to you about this, some of you are only going to be think thinking in terms of upward movement and more of what you've got. How do I transition from this to more of this, whatever this is? And I'll challenge you. What I love about what Aaron and Jamie are doing is that they are just moving in a direction that just feels like something's out there for us. We don't know what it is. We don't know what we're going to find. We don't have an answer. We don't have it mapped out. We don't know the end. We don't know for sure what's going to happen, but we're going to go. And that to me feels like living into this because why? It gives them life. And that's a good enough reason. It gives them life. We're going to pray for you. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for for this time together. We pray for Aaron. We pray for Jamie. We pray for every person in this room right now that's going, oh my gosh, I didn't realize the uh, possibilities were that wide. What is it that I want to do? What is it that I feel like God is maybe calling me out of? What is it God calling me into? Lord, I pray that you would help us take a step to think a little bit bigger. To trust God again. To change our thinking. Build on what we come from. We would be a people that would face transition like the Israelites did. Faithfully with a little bit of that sense of adventure. This life that you've called us to. All God's people said. We're going to do an exercise tonight. We kind of did the, the whenever I do about the, the, whenever I do a talk, I always think in terms of the what, the so what, and the now what. The now what is, what are you going to do? What is your next step? We've, we've got this thing set up that you can kind of do hands on. And I love this thing in the back. It kind of looks like uh, survivor a little bit to me. Um, I love it. We're not eliminating anyone tonight. This is not about that. Um, but here's, here's what I want. I want to give you the opportunity to do because I think sometimes we just need an opportunity to do something. So what we've done is we've put pieces of paper on that table back by those candles on those little tables with pencils. And if you would like, while we're, doing, while we're singing and, and taking communion, if before you take communion, if you feel like this is a time for me to put down on paper, what my next step is because sometimes for me you guys if i can't write it down on a small piece of paper it's still too fuzzy i still haven't quite clarified it in my mind i think i have but why i ruminate is because i haven't clarified so i want to challenge you for some of you it may be my next step is to sign up for e-harmony i don't know what it's going to be i don't know who knows what it's going to be for some of you that's going to be it you know that's true for some of you, it's going to be, you know what, God? I'm going to go tomorrow, and I'm going to buy my own Bible. Because I've never had one. I needed to shift real quickly. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be. For some of you, it's going to be, how am I going to start thinking a little bit bigger? Write it down. What am I going to do? What can I take from my family, where I come from, that I can build on? Even though I have so much bad feelings about them. What can I put down? And then we've got, bu- we've got two... Um, kind of urn-looking things um, in the back where we're going to put them down. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want you to challenge you to write it in a way that's maybe not as graphic as you could um, because what we'd like to do is, remember, we're a body together. We're all in this together. So we're going to read some of these while we're we're, uh, taking communion because we want you to know that you're not alone.